with a second episode of the party Sharon join me I'm gonna tee you up for the song Sharon how you doing <laughs> you know I guess I'm exactly. on a solo mission for <laughs> one ledge try that again Sharon how <gasps> you doing I'm good thank you that's what you're getting I'm not singing oh my god I'm going to end it all but 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 Welcome everyone. Let's stop that as abruptly as it started because um, one of these days, Sharon, I'm going to get you to sing with me. No chance. I, I guarantee it's my mission. It will happen. No, no one wants to hear that, especially not on a recording. Right, let's let's try a little better. acapella now. So I'm going to tee you up. <laughs> no. I'm tee you up. I'm going to warm you up to this. I'm going to warm the listeners up. Come on. You know, it's it's early. If people listen to this live, it's early. If you listen to it back, welcome. Um, but let's let's tee our listeners up. So, <clears throat> mm, 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 mm. oh, hang on, I've got some music. Right, you ready? We dum booby ding boo, booty boo, bee boo, dee boo, boo Go. No. <laughs> right, one more time I'm for not the listeners. Singing. I don't know what I'd be singing anyway. For the listeners, now I'm going to press a button here. And I'm not too sure what either of these things do. Oh, no. So I can't remember what order I put them what? in. So you're either going to get a burp or Beetlejuice. Right, you ready? I'll do a bit of Beetlejuice for you. Or again, for our listeners. For our listeners. People, if you're watching this, comment for our listeners. Right. Oh, a bit of Beetlejuice. Wee, weenie, weenie. <laughs> ready? You, you do the bit at the end where it goes. Wee, weenie, weenie. You ready? Hang on, hang on. It's coming up. You're Three, right two, there. one, go. Right. Right, anyway, let's just get on with this then, shall we, for God's sake. <laughs> You're supposed to be the sunshine yellow person, right? Listeners, I'm sure you listened back to our, I think it was episode 12, where Sharon did insights. I'm red and blue. This should not be this way around. Sharon is yellow and red, so she should be the... I mean, if you look, if you're watching this as well as actually visual, look at the difference between me and Sharon. I'm sat in a dark room with an hoodie on. She's all sunshine, yellow, blonde, <laughs> but I'm the one bringing the pap. pap? Yes, the pap. you are comfortable singing, and I am not, especially when I've had no warning that it's coming at me. I'm all right, then there. I'll give you a warning. All right, I t I promise me this then. At the end of the episode, whoa, no, whoa, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Jesus Christ. Right. Promise me this. At the end of this episode, when we're doing the outro, <laughs> you'll give us a little acapella. Nothing fancy, just a little bit of a, you know, a little, little bit of kumbaya. Yeah? Again, no. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. That's our CXO, by the way. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> this is episode two of the 10 part mini series within the Here to Tim Pot 2 podcast. Mm -hmm. That was a mouthful. So if you listen to the previous episode, you will have heard the lovely Sharon talking about eating her own dog food. Now, that is not Sharon going into the kitchen and eating Millie, who's a lovely dog, dog food. That's all about senior management basically shopping the shop of their customers so they can understand what's going on in their operation, not making it false for them. As we said before, what we're going to do is we've got our book, which is for those watching. You can see it there is available on all good bookstores. 
only on Amazon. Um, but you can get it on Amazon. And it went to number one, didn't it? It did, yeah. Technically, we could say we're number one selling authors and a podcast and a business. I mean, come on. And some of us can sing. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, if you feel like buying it, it's called You Are Sexy and We Know It. I don't know why I said you are like that. You're sexy. You're sexy yeah. and, and, and we know it. Humanizing customer experience in the world of tech. Now, there's a lot of chapters in this book. There's 80 of them. And myself and Sharon have decided to read 10, five each. We're going to alternate because no one wants to hear me droning on. And I'm sure you all want to hear Sharon. But unfortunately, we've got to reserve some of her energy for singing. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to, a little bit like the first one, I'm, because this is my chapter now, you're welcome, listeners. Um, now I'm going to read the words as they are written in the book. And for those of you who would like to read along with Mark, it is page 127, children. And the chapter is called Van Therapy. And as before, there are a number of sections. You have a key takeaway. You have an MKLism. You have the main body and you have the call to action. Now, my chapter is not as long as Sharon's because um, I'm not as good of a writer as Sharon is. So uh, mine are short and sweet. But I'd like to think they've got a little bit of spice, a little bit of pep, a little bit of salt bear to it. Well, you know, I can't remember the name of the guy who's called Salt Bear. But anyway, don't go to his restaurant because it's £15 for a Red Bull. I saw the other day. Did you see that, Sharon? <laughs> £15 for a can of Red Bull. At Salt Bear's restaurant. That's in London. That's London prices oh. for you. Okay, are we ready? Yep. Van therapy. So again, if you watched the first episode, you saw me give Sharon some stick for not sticking to the actual chapter word for word. We've had a bit of a rewrite. So when I said I got my own way, I haven't. So <laughs> I'm now allowed to ad lib a little bit in the words that I'm reading. So... um Previous mark from episode 13, you are incorrect as per usual when it comes to women. Okay, so the key takeaway in van therapy, again, page 127. Take your therapy in whatever form it comes. Make sure you have a support system where you can embrace creativity. So you'll notice, listeners, that I'm a little bit more of a dramatic reader than Sharon. So I'm going to um, I'm going to read this lovely. MKLism. So this is myself that wrote this. When I had a normal job in the corporate world, boy was I in a bubble. Little did I know what my mind, eyes and nose have missed out on. Starting MKL, we had one van, which I spent many, many hours in with John, who's my business partner. From the first time we took a long drive, probably to London, I quickly realized that John has a special gift. The gift of boffing me out, which to the layman is farting, or as it's wrote in the book, bottom burps. I have never met anyone with a bum like John. He would rock me constantly over countless miles the more I acted out about it, the more the bombardment continued. Add this to John's mega mix of 80s and 90s bangers 
such as Prince, if I was your girlfriend. My eyes were truly opened to the trials and tribulations of life outside the corporate world and life in a van. Remember, this chapter is called Van Therapy. Main body. If you have ever been in a meeting with MKL, so that's us, you will know we love to talk. We find that chatting through opportunities and challenges are a great, a great, a great way of getting the emotion out to allow the logic to flow in. I love that line. Let's get the emotion out and let's allow the logic to flow in. We have spent hundreds of hours driving up and down the UK, stuck in traffic, late at night, early in the morning, and in all weather. Van therapy is no laughing matter. Jordan Peterson says that we tend to outsource our sanity. And I, I absolutely love this quote, so just listen, listen carefully to this. So Jordan says that those close to us tend to keep us in check pulling us in line if we wander outside the norm. So you imagine about those people that have been isolated during the COVID restrictions. There's nobody been there to keep their sanity in check. They haven't been able to outsource it. We'll talk about that. When you are staring down the barrel of a six-hour drive with little to do other than talk, it is amazing how powerful van therapy can be. Testing ideas with someone intelligently ignorant. Intelligently ignorant. That has stuck with me since early university days. Testing ideas with someone intelligently ignorant to your point of view will shake loose all the pitfalls and opportunities in an idea. It real allows creativity to blossom. It was van therapy that gave birth to digital facilities management for us at MKL, which first started as offering an energy management system with traditional electrical engineering work. A real game changer. Over the many weeks and months, we put the idea through the grueling trials of van therapy. And when it came to running this past our customers, there were real light bulb moments for them. Being able to trust a company to keep them legal and safe and yet provide the digitalization of their business. And that's the key thing with this. If you're a facilities management company, you get access to areas that others don't. So you prime for leading on opportunities in terms of innovation. With customers, we often take the role of therapist, understanding their key issues and pain points. Throwing ideas around with them allows us to find the best solutions alongside them. Finding those people in your life you can trust to be vulnerable with your ideas is an enlightening experience. Great for your sanity and wider mental health. For us, it's fan therapy. However, yours could be office therapy, break room therapy, or site therapy. Get that emotion out. Let the logic come in and watch those ideas fly for your customers. Call to action. Look for those silver linings in your life. Change your mindset and find a safe space to offload when needed. And I would like to bring this reading to a close. Beautifully read. I think for me, though, uh, 
we, we called it van therapy because when you're a startup, as you'll know, Sharon, you have loads of great ideas, um, both good and bad. <laughs> mm. But if you don't have anyone that you can bounce those ideas off of, uh, and that intelligent, ignorant person is such a key point to this. Mm. Um, I remember I heard that phrase when I think it was 2007 or 2008 when I was doing my MBA, darling, yes. When it got to the dissertation phase, which was 15,000 word document, which was the biggest document I ever wrote in that point in my life. I remember the professor saying, when because you're so engrossed into a specific right. subject for us it's digital fm back then i think it was uh, my dissertation was on retail internationalization so something really exciting uh, but once you're in the detail of something you almost can't see in the wood for the trees so you need to find someone who has got a, has got a brain he's not an idiot you know they're switched on but they're ignorant to your speciality so that'd be like Sharon coming to me with an idea around customer experience. So she is an expert in that area. I'm not, but I'd like to think I've got a brain, but I'm ignorant in her field. So we could bounce ideas off each other and I will ask questions which wouldn't necessarily come to Sharon's mind because she might be too far into the detail, vice versa in regards to me with excitation. So at that point in time, I think it was my wife that I used to read my dissertation. And I remember her saying to me, I have got no idea what any of that means, but what about this, 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 and this? And that was just fresh ideas that I didn't think of. So where van therapy comes really powerful for, for us, Sharon, I think in the start, is myself and John are two very different people. John is an electrical engineer. I worked in corporates. You know, so John got his hands dirty. I didn't, if, if you want to describe it as that. So John will talk from an engineering point of view and I will talk from a douchebag corporate point of view. Um, but when you start mixing those two words, worlds together, uh, you challenge each other in different ways and then you put your ideas in the wash and normally what comes out is either something that works or something that doesn't work. I mean... Uh, uh, and for you, Sharon, obviously we're starting MKLCX. Did, did you find that? I mean, I don't think you might not call it necessarily a van therapy, but what was what was like your version of van therapy? And 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 where have you found that potentially working with customers? I think what I've found useful is when I discuss something with a similar someone in a, a similar position to me, or starting their own business, but they're in a completely different sector. So that, that's where I find whether, you know, if we're talking about aviation, for instance, and then we're talking about patient experience, you often find that there's there's similarities that have worked really well in a different sector that you can bring across into your business and sort of then you get the kind of the light bulbs and the creativity. And I like how this, um, I think in the, the, the very starting phrase, we talked about creativity in this particular chapter. And when you when you let your juices flow and you just start, talking you don't necessarily have an agenda so you're able to sit down like you do with john in the van and you just six hours of just talking that creativity comes out doesn't it and you can just go oh what if we did this and what if we did this and then you end up really like jacked because you go oh yeah do that and yeah. just have space to to flow and get it out well it's, it's really it, important. It, it, it is that 
that that phrase that getting allowing the emotion to come out to get the logic in and, and as you can imagine on a six hour drive you start off talking about you know, i don't know the the latest episode of game of thrones back in the day when we were doing that and you talk about that and then you talk about your partners or you'll talk about you know especially with me and john as we're brothers stuff that you, you sort of like did as, as kids and and that's almost like the cream on the top of the cake so you sort of like have to get through that layer when you first start a big journey and then once you've you've talked all the all the bullshit out all the, all the softer stuff and you've had your laugh and your fun all that sort of emotion just because i'm saying emotion now doesn't mean it's a negative emotion you know it could be a fun emotion you know you're laughing and joking once all that emotion has flowed out then you start to think about you know what where are we driving to what are we driving to why are we meeting this client what or doing this install or doing this survey well what if we did this so what if you thought about that and and having that time to do that is it's sacrosanct in some ways it is so important um and, and that in the sad way in regards to the lockdowns and covid those sort of opportunities to i mean you're not going to do a six-hour zoom call are you um you're just not um but those opportunities to really get together and i, and I don't mean those horrible forced corporate events where you get everyone in the room going, we're going to do a brown paper session here guys and what we're going to do is we're going to get mark to lead it and he's going to be key with his posted notes and he's going to use different colors i don't know if you can see what he did there but he used a ballpoint pen and not a fountain pen you know you, you don't want to do those forced corporate brainstorming sessions because for, for, for me I, i've never i've never they've never worked for me of those because for one i didn't feel safe well, I was going to get attacked, but I didn't feel safe with letting my emotion out to allow my logic to then come in for them me to put that logic out. I always feel like it's a it's a forced event, and I've got to I've got to be clever, or I've got to come up with a line because I know my boss is watching, or if I've got no ideas and I'm feeling like I'm exposed because I've got no ideas, uh, imposter syndrome starts to kicking all this stuff. But when it's your own business. Being honest with you guys, you couldn't give a shit about what you say because you just say it because ultimately you've got no one else to blame if it doesn't work other than yourself. I mean, am I, am I speaking to the converted here, Sharon? I mean, what uh, have you experienced that? I mean, for God's sake, you, you've 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 run these sessions, these these brown paper sessions, not to poo poo it, but have you found that when you do those sessions, they always has anything good ever come out of it or anything that has stuck? I mean, you've did what you've done one leaving the names out of the person that you did it with, but I can be so bold to say you've done one with Apple for God's sake. So you are extremely credible doing this stuff. But have you ever found that the ideas stick and they work, or do you find that it's just a talking shop? I think it depends how much space you allow in it for that person to go off and think. You know, like some people bring um, fidget spinners and things like that to their workshops to allow people. Mm. To play with their fingers so that they can get their brain working um as you say a boring brown paper bag where everyone's um forced out on the spot to come up with ideas and um let's be creative guys and someone's jumping around at the front and you're all like okay i haven't really got my head into what the mission is yet i don't really understand what the problem is so before i can i need to understand that first and then i can get my head around and give you some ideas 
Plus, you've got people who need to kind of marinate. They need to kind of spend time in the in the real world outside of the corporate um, meeting to think on things and then bring the ideas. So having time, just, you just as you say, safely to throw ideas back and forth, to say whatever you like with no one judging, um, not thinking, oh, my boss is in the room or whatever, can make such a difference. And that's why band therapy really works. For me, I have Helen. Um, Helen's in, down in Portsmouth and I'm in Milton Keynes. So we have got a bit of a break <laughs> in between us. So when we get together, it's similar to band therapy, but normally in a hotel somewhere. And we are talking 10 to the dozen, coming up with ideas and we do this, we do this, we do this. Um, and, and that time just ignites us again because we're, you know, we're in that moment of, okay, we can do this and this is exciting, but also bringing the reality in it. Um, it's no good just kind of chatting away and never actually making anything land, which is the important thing. You do all this band therapy or you know, you go to an ideation session or you go to a hackathon, whatever it is, you need to make sure that actions come out at the end of it and it actually lands. Otherwise, just... Yeah, you know. I've heard them called ideathon as well. Yes, um, whether it's ideation or ideathon, similar sort yeah, of Yeah, uh, because have you found that when you've had your opportunities with Helen or, or, or even with a client, when they're saying, no, what do you think of this? I, I found that there is no better liberating feeling than just saying i don't know mm. because but you need to think you need space exactly and when you're in these let's call it an idea a thon because that's a that's a lovely corporate saying let's go when you're in these idea a thons um, i can only speak for myself so I, I am not putting my opinions on other people i'm only telling you how i was in those sessions so this is not to say everybody is so how i was in those sessions was if there's a discussion going on and someone comes to me and says, Mark, what do you think? I always felt like I had to have an answer. Um, no matter how weak that answer was, I always felt I had to have an answer. Whereas now, whenever I'm in, you know, in a van therapy situation or I'm with a client and they're kicking ideas around and they come to me and they say, what do you think, Mark? Um, it's so liberating to say, I don't know. I don't know as we sit now, um, a way forward what i do know is if you give me some time to go away and think about it and kick these ideas about with trusted other people and nine times out of ten they'll be coming to sharon and john mm. to say this has been said you know what what do you think and and, and this isn't because you don't have the answer could you, well you don't have the answers but you need other people to feed you information because you can't see everything yourself you sharon's viewpoint of the world is very different to mine even though in some ways we are aligned to a lot of things in other ways sharon will look at something and see yellow and i'll look at something and see blue you know but it's still looking at the same problem mm. but having that chat to say well why are you seeing it as yellow sharon and mark why are you seeing it as blue once you've had your time to get the emotion out and you've you know you've re-engaged with the individuals then that beautiful logic starts to flow yeah, I think it's it's remembering that the people come up with ideas in very, very different ways. So I remember we had a discussion, Mark, and I know we covered insights in, in one of our previous sessions, but I remember saying to you that because I'm yellow, I struggle being creative on my own. I'm a pretty creative mm. person, um, but you know, when, we, when I get together with someone, I can bounce ideas off, like fully creative, but on my own, it, it's stuck as a block. 
So I definitely need somebody to to bounce that idea off, and that's probably well, why it works in fitness as well, doesn't it? Because we're 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 training for a marathon and an ultra, and we share information in regards to training. Yeah, which is is it's useful, isn't it? It keeps you. That's the accountability part as well, then, isn't it? Yeah. But the other thing for me is I need to have a, if I want to be creative, I need to have a pen in my hand, <laughs> which mm. other people don't have that issue. So everybody's brain works in a slightly different way. So if you want to get ideas and creativity out of people, you've got to make sure that they can be safe and comfortable and, and just free to, to think and let their ideas flow. And they've got the right people around them to do it. You and John work great. And you've got your, your bubble of your van and you're driving away and You've got your your um maybe your music on or whatever, and you can just that is the perfect place for you for ideas to flow, and it's working out what that is for each individual. And I have to drive during those sessions because I hate being a passenger for one. Mm. Um, but when I'm driving, I remember a mutual friend of ours, Sharon, told us about the conscious and the the subconscious brain. Yeah. So when I'm driving, my conscious brain, if I'm getting this correct, is thinking about. What speed am I going? What's that car doing in front? You know, looking at my rear view mirror, you know, adjusting my steering, you know, all sorts of stuff. But that's very busy because it's thinking of that. Whereas subconsciously, that's left to run and do whatever it needs to do. And then what that subconscious will do is it will serve up new information once my conscious brain gets bored of, of, of the task of driving. I mean, how many times have you been driving somewhere and you just can't remember how you got there? You go. I I don't. I can't even remember that journey because you've just gone through the you've just gone through the motion of driving. Scary, but it happens to us all. That's why I have to have to drive, and because that way I can allow my creativity to think. I mean, if I was stuck in a in in a rut um, in regards to creativity, I think what I'd probably do is I'd, I'd go for a drive. I'd probably come down to Milton Keynes anyway, but I'd, I'd drive a good two three hours mm. on my own just to allow myself i mean not good for the environment but um if i had an electric car it'd be a lot better but um it, that time to, to think nice. um but there's there's another line in this in this chapter which which when i read it in in his book it's one of those lines that when I read it, it, it sort of stuck with me. And I, I think it was a, nearly a year ago now when I read that line. Um, it's Jordan Peterson. Um, and I'm very excited at the moment. <laughs> it sounds like I'm fanboying at the moment. But is it Cambridge? Um, and if it, uh, what's the date today? Uh, in November 22nd. Um, but he's in Cambridge at the moment. And I'm watching him tweet pictures of him at Cambridge. And I'm sat there going, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there, which is which is really sad, because um, he doesn't know why I'm at all. Whereas I know I know him <laughs> by his books. Was well, that like a right little groupie? Um, but there's a line in this. Um, I'm just going to read it out again because uh, I want to talk about this in regards to creativity and then how you then get that to the customer. Mm. And that's that outsourcing your sanity. So. Jordan Peterson says that we tend to outsource our sanity, i.e. those close to us tend to keep us in check, pulling us in line if we wander outside the norm. And you and I know, Sharon, that if I'm acting a certain way, if you're acting a certain way, 
more so if I am acting a certain way, um, you will say, that's not right, Mark, or that's a bit weird. What are you doing that for? And it's probably because my sanity's drifted a little bit um, and I need to be brought back in line um, in check of what those norms are within the parameters that we have. And I never, ever thought about it that way. And it makes so much sense now, whereas those unfortunate people who are lonely and on their own to other people might seem a bit peculiar but it's because they can't outsource their sanity to somebody else because they have nobody else. Yeah, we, no need to double check and say, you're right. <laughs> well, yeah, but this is where the van therapy and the outsourcing of the sanity can really benefit the customer to bring it back to the customer. Because as leaders, if you're allowing yourself the time to find that intelligent, ignorant person to your challenge or, or your problem and you're safe and you feel comfortable to be vulnerable around them to allow that emotion to flow out to then get that logic in but then you're using them to outsource your sanity so you know that the ideas that you're having are within the borders and the realm of what you think is correct you will probably more than likely come up with some fantastic ideas to either eat your own dog food or improve your operation in some way so that your customers massively benefit so you might be looking at, looking at this podcast thinking, well, what the hell has van therapy got to do with customers? And I hope I've just described it then is that it is so important for you to have those confidence around you to be able to allow that emotion out and the logic in so then you can benefit your end customer. Brilliantly summarized. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I find that when it comes to outsourcing sanity and van therapy i never had that in the corporate world i had i had some mentors which i would i would use for that but yeah it's quite rare to to have somebody that you can go completely as you are and say this is i've this i had this thought and what do you think you need to build that relationship first before you can be totally transparent with somebody it's not it's amazing when you have it yeah, because there's another book I'm reading at the moment called 48 Laws to Power. And the reason why I'm reading that is because there are people out there that do act the way that those laws are wrote. And so it's fascinating to understand it because I'm reading some of these laws and thinking, I've been used as a cat's paw before. And the cat's paw is where you get someone to do, the monkey will use the cat's paw to put the cat's paw into the fire to get the nut, which is a metaphor to say, a leader could use you to do the dirty work and they don't get their hands dirty, for example. So to find that person you can have as a confident in the corporate world, is it's extremely rare and it's also very dangerous as well because people can use information against you. To, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have the answer to this, Sharon, but how do we... So we spoke about that van therapy and I've spoke about it with my brother and business partner. And we've got a business together and we're a brother. He's my brother, so I trust him. I trust you because we've been through not only the corporate world, but doing it this side as well. Um, mm. And I trust you implicitly with some of the conversations that we've had. But for those listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not in a leadership position. I'm in a, um, I'm, I'm in a frontline position or I don't, run my, I don't run, my, run my own business. So I can't just say I don't know. How do we make that real for them? How, how, do, how do we make what what's fan therapy look like for them? And the reason why I say is I just don't know. Have you got any ideas? 
I will always come back to mentoring because I think it's incredibly powerful. That if you manage to find someone who's a real advocate for them, you can have that kind of relationship where you can be real and you can have a conversation with somebody where you say, I just don't know, or I've got, I'm struggling, I don't think I'm very good at this, or I've got a touch of imposter syndrome. Um, so you've got to find the right person, and that's critical. You just touched on that. You, you can't just trust any old person. You need to start building that relationship. But if you've got a good mentor who um, advocates for you and is behind you and pushes you forwards, um, that helps because you can then, next time you're in a position of going, mm, I'm not sure, you can think, well, I talked that through with my mentor and they were behind me and they maybe gave it a slight spin, but pretty much I was on the right track. So it builds your confidence. Um, so it, I'd say if you haven't got a mentor as a listener, please go out and find one because it can be very powerful in your career. And those of you who are in positions where you can mentor others, please do, because it's really rewarding. Um, but that can be the therapy that you need in a career to push you forwards um, and kind of just keep you on track. And, and certainly with your personal development, just keep you going mm. um, and stop you lagging behind. Cool. Cool. Are we done, do we think? Are we happy? Anything yeah. else we need to discuss? Oh, the music started. I think we know what that means, don't we? <laughs> it means That's the end of the show. And Sharon promised to sing in. Ready? I'm going to tee you up again. Sharon, we've just done episode two of a mini series. What did you think of it, Sharon? I thought it was amazing. And that's what you're getting. <laughs> right. Let's end that there. And let's end it on a depressing note. You are listening to Mark and Sharon. <laughs> I guess from the Here and Tim Pot 2 podcast. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. I guess. <laughs>